Chapter Nineteen of the Sorcery Club by Elliot O'Donnell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Nineteen: A Series of Misadventures. With the advent of the guard, Hamar's assailant was dragged off him, and he was locked up in a separate compartment to be given in charge. So the indignant official announced directly they had got to Brighton but Hamar ordained it otherwise. As soon as he had sufficiently recovered from the effects of the severe castigation the female Furioso had inflicted on him, he became invisible, and when the train drew up at the Brighton platform, and a couple of policemen arrived to march him on, he was nowhere to be found. This was his first experiment with the newly acquired property. "'In future,' he said to himself, before i try any tricks i'll take very good care there are no suffragettes about in london there was of course no need for him to ever pay fares all he had to do was to become invisible as soon as the taxi stopped calmly step out of the vehicle and walk away as for meals he was able to enjoy many gratis he simply walked into a restaurant fed on the very best and then disappeared of course he could not repeat the trick in the same place and cautious though he was he was at last caught it appears that a description of him had been circulated among the police and that private detectives were employed to watch for him in the principal hotels and restaurants consequently directly he entered the grill room at the piccadilly hotel he was arrested and handcuffed before he had time to swallow a pill he was now in a most unpleasant predicament the tightest corner he had ever been in supposing he could not escape his sentence would be at least two years penal servitude what would happen curtis and kelson would never work the show without him curtis would give himself entirely up to eating and drinking kelson would marry lillian rosenberg the compact with the unknown would be broken and after that he dare not think he must escape he must get at the pills the police took him away in a taxi, and all the time he sat between them, he struggled desperately to squeeze his hands through the small, cruel circle that held them. "'It's all right for Curtis and Kelson,' he said to himself. "'All right, at least now. They know nothing. They have never tried to think what the breaking of the compact means. Their weak, silly minds are entirely centered on the present. The present. Damn the present. They are fools, idiots, imbeciles.' who think only of the present. It's the future. It's the future that matters. He scraped the skin off his wrists. He sweated. He swore, and it was not until one of the detectives threatened to wrap him over the head that he sullenly gave in and sat still. The taxi drew up in front of the Gerald Road police station, and Hamar was conducted to an ante-room prior to being taken before the inspector. Just as a policeman was about to search him, he made one last desperate effort look here he said if i pledge you my word i'll not attempt to do anything will you let me have my hands or at least one of my hands free a moment some grit has got in my eye and i cannot stand the irritation that game won't work here one of the detectives said you should keep your eyes shut when there's dust about or else not have such protruding ones hamar threatened to report him to the home secretary for brutal conduct but the detective only laughed, and Hamar had to submit to the mortification of being searched. "'What are these?' a detective said, fingering the seaweed pills. "'Stomachache pills,' Hamar said bitterly. "'They are taken as a digestive after meals. 
you look dyspeptic have one no none of your sauce the detective said you come along with me and hamar was hauled before the inspector can i go out on bail hamar asked certainly not the inspector replied then i shan't give you my name and address hamar said i shan't tell you anything the inspector merely shrugged his shoulders and after the charge sheet was read over hamar was conducted to a cell this is awful he said what the deuce am i to do to send for curtis and kelson would be fatal and it would be equally fatal to leave them in ignorance of what has happened to me i am indeed in the horns of a dilemma i must get at those pills up and down the floor of the tiny cell he paced his mind tortured with a thousand conflicting emotions and then an idea struck him he would ask to be allowed to see his lawyer cotton's the man he said to himself he will get the pills for me the inspector after satisfying himself that cotton was on the register rang him up and after an hour of terrible suspense to hamar the lawyer briskly entered his cell they conferred together for some minutes and having arranged the method of defence cotton was preparing to depart when hamar whispered to him i want you to do me a particular favour in the top right-hand drawer of the chest of drawers in my bedroom in cockspur street i have left a red pill-box those pills are for indigestion i simply can't do without them will you get them for me what to-night the lawyer asked dubiously yes to-night hamar pleaded i'll make it a matter of business between us get me the pills before eight o'clock and you shall have a thousand pounds down my cheque-book is in the same drawer the lawyer said nothing but gave hamar a look that meant much again there was a dreadful wait and hamar had abandoned himself to the deepest despair when cotton reappeared he shook hands with his client slipping the pills into the latter's palm whilst the lawyer was pocketing his cheque hamar gleefully swallowed a pill and crying bakra naka taxomana vanished heaven preserve us what's become of you cotton exclaimed putting his hand to his forehead and leaning against the wall for support am i ill or dreaming anything wrong sir a policeman inquired opening the cell door and looking in why what have you done with the prisoner where is he i have no more idea than you the lawyer gasped he was talking to me naturally and then he suddenly left off said something idiotic and disappeared hamar did not dolly he quietly slipped through the open door and darting swiftly along a stone passage found his way to the entrance which was blocked by two constables with their backs to him i'll give the brute something to remember me by hamar chuckled and taking a run he kicked first one and then the other with all his might precipitating them both into the street he then sped past them home hamar by astute inquiries learned that the police had decided to hush up the affair not being quite sure how they had figured or indeed what had actually occurred as to cotton the shock he had undergone at seeing hamar suddenly melt away before his eyes was so great that he went off his head and had to be confined in an asylum after this adventure hamar shunned restaurants and manipulating his new property sparingly and with the utmost caution warned kelson and curtis to do the same i'll bet anything he said to them it was a put-up job on the part of the unknown a cunning device to make us break the compact oh we'll be careful enough as far as that goes curtis growled 
it's this vegetarian diet i can't stick fancy living on beans and potatoes and only milk and aerated water to wash them down it was bad enough in san francisco when we hadn't the means even to smell meat cooking but with the money literally burning a hole in one's pocket it's ten times worse whatever the unknown has in store for us it can't be worse hell than what i've got now what say you matt the same precisely the same kelson said only it's love not potatoes and beans that worries me in the old days when i was penniless i did get some consolation from knowing it was all hopeless but now now when ed says the money's literally burning a hole in one's pocket and everything might go swimmingly not to be allowed even to buy a bracelet is more than human nature can endure i certainly can't conceive a hell to beat it don't be too sure hamar said and for goodness sake don't let the unknown give you an opportunity of comparing the night succeeding this conversation hamar curtis and kelson introduced their new properties into the programme of their entertainment in cockspur street and london got another big thrill hamar exhibited such startling proofs of his power of invisibility that not only was the whole audience convinced but from amongst certain prominent members of the council of the psychical research society who were attending with the express purpose of unmasking hamar two had epileptic fits on the spot and several before they could get home became raving lunatics at the commencement of the second part of the programme the audience was still too flabbergasted to fully grasp what was happening they saw on the stage a huge tank of water with which they were told mr curtis would experiment what i am about to do mr curtis who now walked onto the stage informed his audience is quite simple all you want is faith those of you who are christian scientists should be able to do it as easily as i say i will i will walk on water and your faith your colossal faith faith in your ability to do it will actually enable you to do it curtis then repeated in tones that could not be heard by the audience the atlantean cabalistic words karma nardka raptonumen k arma ula piscusti and glided gracefully on to the surface of the water every now and then he sank slowly down to the bottom where he strolled about or sat or lay down the audience was simply fascinated nothing they had hitherto seen tickled their fancy half as much as an american who was present put it to live under the water like a fish is immense so hygienic and economical though the time apportioned to this part of the entertainment was half an hour it was extended to over an hour and even then the audience was not satisfied they would have gone on watching curtis eating drinking jumping skipping singing and chasing goldfish under the water all night when he was at length permitted to come out of the tank exhausted and sulky they gave him even heartier applause than they had given hamar but the cup of their enjoyment was not yet full the greatest treat of all was in store for them for the third and last part of the entertainment a cage containing a large bengal tiger was wheeled on to the stage you look precious white curtis remarked just as kelson was about to go on i guess you'd look the same kelson retorted if you had to hobnob with a tiger the unknown always gives me the nasty jobs and in this case curtis said with a low mocking laugh it also loads you with consolations 
the house is full of ladies who adore you and if you are eaten just think of the sympathy welling up in their beautiful eyes if that isn't sufficient compensation for you i but the remainder of his encouraging speech was lost in a loud roar the bengal tiger shook its bars the audience screamed and curtis flew with a desperate attempt to look calm kelson clutching the red larrick stone in his left hand walked on to the stage whilst the tiger rearing on its hind legs tried to reach him with its paws there were loud cries of oh oh from the audience and kelson's heart beat quicker when a girl with wavy fair hair and big starry eyes screamed out don't go near it don't go near it as soon as there was comparative quiet kelson spoke as you can see ladies and gentlemen he said this animal is genuinely savage it is not like the tigers one sees in menageries drugged and deprived of their natural weapons teeth and claws it comes direct from india where its reputation as a man-eater is widespread i am not however intimidated its growls merely amuse me quaking all over he approached the cage and staring fixedly into the tiger's face made the prescribed passes in an instant the whole attitude of the great cat changed dropping to its forelegs it rubbed its head against the bars and purred a low buzz of astonishment burst from the audience and kelson now assured that the spell had worked waved his disengaged hand in the most gallant fashion at the audience and strutted into the cage he shook paws with the tiger patting it on the back sat down by its side and whilst pretending to be on the most familiar terms with it took every precaution to avoid coming in too close contact with its teeth and claws the audience was charmed the men cheered the ladies waved handkerchiefs and the only disappointed persons present were a few belligerent and bloodthirsty boys and a suffragette who severally and for diverse reasons would have relished the performances of a savage tiger but had little sympathy with the performance of a tame one the next surprise that mr kelson had for his audience was the announcement that he could interpret the language of animals at his invitation a dozen members of the audience came on to the platform and stood near the cage looking steadily at the tiger he then pronounced the mystic words meta ra ka va avankana holding up his right hand with the thumb turned down and stretched right across the palm and the little finger extended to the utmost in an instant the great secret the secret that darwin had studied so strenuously for years was revealed to him the language of animals was olfactory the tiger spoke to him through the sense of smell through his nose instead of his ears it regulated and modified the odor it gave off from its body and which worked its way out through the pores of its skin just as human beings regulate and modify the intonations of their voices indeed so delicate are the olfactory organs of animals that the faintest of these language smells makes an impression on them which impression is at once interpreted by the brain if an animal wishes to leave a message behind it it merely impregnates some article a leaf or a root or a clump of grass or merely the ether with a brain smell and any other animal happening to pass by the spot within a certain time in favourable weather will at once be attracted by the smell and be able to interpret it that is the reason one so often sees an animal suddenly stop at a spot and sniff it 
it is reading some message left there by some other animal all this and more kelson explained to his audience who were exceedingly interested many of them getting up to ask him questions he also reported to them the tiger's conversation which consisted chiefly of complaints against the management with regard to its food to be everlastingly fed on scraps of horse-flesh it said when there are dozens of plunk young women sitting in the stalls under its very nose was tantalizing to a degree would mr kelson kindly speak to whoever was responsible for such cruelty and negligence a bear and a crocodile having been tamed in the same manner and their remarks interpreted to the audience the entertainment concluded the next day the papers were full of it the planet under the startling announcements recovery of the lost senses more extraordinary feats in cockspur street leon hamar becomes invisible at will narrated all that had occurred the monitor if anything more sensational declared the language of animals discovered at last the problem of breathing under water solved dematerialization at will established and even the courier the steady ever cautious old courier england's premier paper created a precedent by the use of a quite conspicuously large type vide the following the age of miracles revived actual case of subduing and conversing with wild animals recovery of the properties of invisibility of walking on water and of breathing under water as before there were innumerable cases of imitation many of them unhappily resulting in the death of the imitator at dover for instance a congregationalist minister convinced that he had the requisite amount of faith announced from the pulpit that he intended walking on the water in the harbour after service thousands flocked to see him but despite the fact that he said i will i will with the greatest emphasis the unkind waves would not support him indeed since they swallowed him it might almost be said that the reverend s supported the waves for two whole days there was regular stampedes of experimenters to hyde park and regent's park and the banks of their respective waters resounded with the words i will walk i will walk succeeded by splashes and cries for help nor was the water feet the only one that induced imitators crowds flocked to the zoological gardens and the various houses were literally packed with people trying to get into conversation with the animals these attempts being also marked by a large proportion of fatal results one old gentleman a fellow of the royal society carried away in his enthusiasm to talk with a tiger after making what he thought to be the correct signs slipped his nose through the bars of the tiger's cage and had it promptly bitten off whilst the girl in her endeavours to sniff the crocodiles and so get in conversations with them fell in their midst and was torn to pieces before help arrived however these fatalities only served as an advertisement to the firm and hundreds of people for whom there was not even standing-room were turned away from the house nightly but later on there were hitches curtis whose dislike to vegetarian diet steadily increased when dining one evening in the club could no longer withstand the sight of roast beef the smell of it tickled his palate unmercifully take this infernal mess away he said pushing a plate of nut steak from him in disgust 
and let me have a full course entree soup fish meat everything you've got chartreuse and a liquor and bring it quick i'm famished he ate and ate and drank and drank until it was as much as he could do to rise from the table and then in excellent spirits he repaired to cockspur street how he got on to the stage he could never tell everything was in a haze around him until there was a dull crash in his ears and he suddenly found himself drowning no one at first noticed his helpless condition but attributed his antics to part of the programme and he almost certainly would have been drowned had it not been for lillian rosenberg who being quite by chance in front of the house perceived he was drunk the moment he came on the stage she flew to the wings and just in the nick of time got two of the supers to haul him out of the tank of course it was announced with a pretty apology by mr hamar that mr curtis had been taken ill kelson immediately came on with his animals and the audience departed without the slightest suspicion as to the truth hamar was furious you idiot he said to curtis that all comes of your making a beast of yourself you would sacrifice matt and me for your insatiable craving for meat and alcohol can't you see it was a trick of the unknown to make us break the compact had you been drowned the partnership would of course have been dissolved and it would have been your fault you must obey your injunctions damn it you must and hamar spoke so fiercely that curtis was for once in a way cowed and solemnly promised that he would not repeat the offence kelson was the next culprit and his misdoings were indirectly associated with the foregoing incident lillian rosenberg's action in saving curtis's life thrilled him to the core and called into play all his ardent passion he had seen her sitting in the front of the house and had come upon the scene just as she was urging the supers to go to curtis's assistance and he then thought she had never looked so lovely come out with me to-morrow afternoon he whispered hamar's going out of town and before she could stop him he had kissed her kelson hardly expected lillian rosenberg would accept his invitation but on arriving at the place he had named he was delighted beyond measure to find her there nor could any one have been nicer to him no girl he told himself who did not in some degree at least reciprocate his sentiments could have allowed him to stare into her eyes as she did or squeeze her hands as he did he took her to the ladies drawing-room of his club where there were plenty of quiet secluded nooks and there whilst she poured out tea for him he once more related to her all his early deeds and ailments real and imaginary and all his ideals and aspirations lillian rosenberg was most sympathetic you should have been a poet she said there is something about you that is quite byronic and kelson who had never even heard of byron was immensely flattered will you come to the jewellers with me he said and choose whatever you like best those fingers of yours are made for rings rings of all sorts and he gave them a gentle pressure she let him escort her to bond street and followed him gaily into raymond's but when it came to accepting a ring from him she laughingly refused and chose instead the most expensive diamond bracelets and pendants in the shop some of these she wore the rest unknown to him of course she sold sending the proceeds anonymously to shield davenport who was starving when kelson went on stage that evening his thoughts were so far away planning for his honeymoon 
that he entered the cage of a newly imported lion without having made the necessary signs and would most certainly have been mangled out of recognition had not one of the supers perceiving how matters lay rushed to his assistance and kept the lion at bay with a pole till further help could be procured it had been a narrow squeak and to kelson the bare idea of continuing his performance was appalling his nerves were as he himself put it anyhow and he preferred retiring for the rest of the evening but hamar would not hear of it this is the second bungle we've had he said and the reputation of the firm is seriously at stake you must go on again and retrieve it and kelson trembling all over was obliged to reappear after it was all over and he had bowed out into the wings hamar led him aside don't look so damned pleased with yourself he said i don't half like the look of things this is the third time the unknown has tried to trap us the fourth time it may be successful take care end of chapter nineteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california